Wellesley, Massachusetts. I'm so sorry for all the technical difficulties, folks. Um, this is my show, Cognitive Dissident. My name's Kalyani Saxena, and this is my first episode, and I've also been talking for 10 minutes that no one's been listening to. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's gonna be like that. Anyway, so um, a quick shout out to my parents. This is their 33rd wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary, mom and dad. I love you lots. Um, so I am gonna do a little introduction for my show. I am quite embarrassed because I've already done this once, but I think practice makes perfect. So basically the reason that I'm making this show or that I wanted to do this show is one, I have a lot of hot takes and I think people in my personal life may be a bit fed up with listening to me, but maybe that's not the case. Anyway, so I'm uh, doing this show because I think this is a really important time for young people to be tuned into what's going on in the news, but there's a lot of there's a lot of jargon in the news, frankly, and it's really, really hard to figure out like what is important and what people are talking about. And I've been in those conversations when everyone's like, oh, did you hear about what happened in the news? And you're like, oh, I haven't read the news in like six days because I have work and classes and I don't have time to be a political human being. So I created this radio show because I really want to talk about these sort of issues and hopefully make it palatable for all ye young people. Anyway, so today's um, episode is called Emergency and Evacuation. I'm sure you can guess what the topic for emergency is. We're going to be talking about Trump's national emergency. Um, So a a quick little bit of background on this. Also, I should mention that I, maybe a disclaimer, I am not a political expert. I do not have a degree in political journalism. I don't even know if that's a degree. And also a lot of my information is from the New York Times. But anyways, so Trump's national emergency, basically on Friday, he declared that there was going to be a national emergency, which was going to give him access to funds to build the border wall. So for a little bit of like extra, extra background context, I'm sure some of you remember the three weeks that there were really long lines at the airport. Well, yeah, that was because Congress wasn't giving Trump money and he really wanted the money. So the government was shut down and then they reached an agreement, which was great. And we were all like, thank God, crisis averted until Donald Trump decided that that was not the case and declared a national emergency. So his reasoning for this was that there is a flow of drugs, criminals and illegal immigrants from Mexico. And that this created a profound threat to national security that justified unilateral action. I think you can tell I don't necessarily agree, but that's his reasoning. We'll get more into that later. So a little bit of context about national emergencies, because I don't know about you folks, when I heard that we were having a national emergency, I was like, um, hello, what's going on? Um, this is something that presidents have had the power to do since the 1970s, and it's been done pretty much 60 times since then. And 31 of those emergencies are actually active, which to me was kind of frightening because I was like, oh, so my whole life I've just been living in a state of emergency, which honestly is kind of a metaphor for my life really anyways, but I didn't realize we were politically in a state of emergency. But if you're like me and you were freaking out, um, actually, don't worry because most, well, you should be worried, but most of the existing emergencies were dealing with foreign crises and involved basically freezing property or blocking trade or exports and Presidents usually use these in order to impose sanctions on foreign individuals, groups, or nations. So basically, it's like America flexing its muscles, as it is wont to do um, all the time. But basically, 
We've had a few of these emergencies. What makes this emergency so different though is that it's the first time since September 11th, which 9-11 for, um, I'm sure everyone knows what that is. Um, and it's the first time in the last four decades that an emergency declaration has authorized military action. So this is different, right? Like in the past emergencies have had to do with kind of imposing America flexing its muscles at other countries. This is one of the few times that it's been within the country about something like this and that it's been since the September 11th attacks. So here are the logistics. Basically, this emergency declaration allows Trump and his cronies to divert $3.6 billion from military construction projects to the wall. So this isn't money that Congress said he could have, but he's still gonna have access to this money anyway. And it's basically going to, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. And then he can use more traditional presidential discretions to tap into a further $2.5 billion from counter, ooh, counter narcotics programs and 600 million from a treasury department asset forfeiture fund. Um, so if you, if you do the math like me, that's a lot more than the 5 billion that he was asking for from Congress. And then on top of that, he's got 1.375 billion authorized for fencing in the spending package that was passed on Thursday night. So that's what he actually reached the agreement with Congress about. So he's got 1.375 billion from that and then a bunch from the other. So in total, he's gonna have about $8 billion in all barriers, which is way more than $5.7 billion. And frankly, is more money than any person should have and especially a person like that. But you know, that's, I guess, up for debate because this is a democracy. Um, so here's, now that we know the logistics, we kind of got to talk about the fallout. Because I think, for me at least, this was the first time where I had heard the term national emergency and really felt like this is an emergency and not like, you know how people are dramatic, it's like, oh my god, it's an emergency. Like, no, this, this feels like an emergency because it feels like democracy and our checks and balances on power are being spat on. But... There's, a, there's been a lot of fallout from this, understandably. So we're gonna talk about a little bit of the fallout. So basically, Democrats, as you can imagine, were like, whoa, 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 buddy. This is an unconstitutional abuse of your authority. And then they decided they were gonna try and overturn it with the support of Republicans. On top of that, the House Judiciary Committee announced on Friday that it was gonna investigate the president's emergency claim. So, and then House Democrats are going to try and put legislation in to block the national emergency. So, I don't know. I feel like if your Judiciary Committee is trying to investigate you, maybe you're doing something wrong, but maybe you're not. Obviously you are. But, <laughs> so, here's, when I heard that the Democrats, because now the Democrats have the House, right? So I was, ex I was excited that they were going to try, maybe excited isn't the right word, I was glad that they were going to try and stop this national emergency. Problem is, it's not as easy as it seems. Um, in order for the House Democrats to stop this national emergency, they have to win the votes of the half dozen Republican senators who have criticized the declaration, which in theory could work because there are Republicans who are upset about what are, what's going on, but also maybe isn't going to work because even if they get those half dozen Republican senators to criticize the declaration, Trump can veto the declaration. So basically the House can try and stop them, 
like swipe or no swiping and he can just be like I'm sorry I can't hear and I'm gonna do what I want anyway which is kind of what he does regardless so basically the problem is there isn't really an effective way to stop him so in terms of regular people who don't have a lot of power like you me and everybody else um most Americans actually oppose Trump's emergency declaration. So a poll released by Fox News, you know, you, this is the first and probably last time that I will be citing Fox News during my radio show, but here we go, um, found that 56% um, of Americans were against it. And, in, and of those 56%, 20% were Republicans. So this isn't necessarily, not everybody's on the rah-rah, let's put a wall up, despite what you may think. And, Surprisingly, establishment Republicans have expressed concern that, <laughs> it's actually really funny, they, they're not super happy about it either, but their reasoning isn't like, hey, this is an abuse of power. Their reasoning is, it's only an abuse of power if a Democratic commander-in-chief could do it, and they're worried that this is going to create a precedent where a Democratic president could, <laughs> precedent, president, um, could declare a national emergency over gun violence or climate change without legislation from Congress. Now listen, I'm with you. I think that you gotta go through the legislation, you gotta go through the bodies, you gotta, you know, deal with democracy. But frankly, hot take, but gun violence and climate change definitely feel more like emergencies than a fake crisis about immigrants. But, yes. <laughs> and um, so here's kind of the why. So we all know that Trump, why Trump did this, right? Like he needs the money because Congress wouldn't give it to him. You know all those memes of Nancy Pelosi looking mildly upset and maybe like she has indigestion? I love Nancy Pelosi. Actually, I don't know if I love Nancy Pelosi. Anyway, we'll get into that. But Nancy Pelosi basically put her foot down and was like, you're not getting your money. And Trump was like, but I, but I want the money. And because of that, he wasn't able to achieve his promise. So we know on the surface level he did this because he needs the money. The problem is, why couldn't he just back down, right? Like he made this agreement with Congress, they came to an agreement, the government was going to shut down, everybody was super pumped. But it goes a little deeper than that, right? Like this was one of Trump's biggest campaign promises. For him to go back on it, and his mistake was that he made this kind of his no compromise stance for this budgeting like he he made this his god the word is escaping me but this is this is what he needs to have like this is where he draws the line and because of that he backed himself into a corner so I think this has a lot to do with you know campaign promises and he he basically he he verified that so despite the fact that he said you know this is because illegal border crossings are happening and you know there's a crisis which um is factually incorrect he then later on said I didn't need to do this, but I'd rather do it much faster. I just want to get it done faster. That's all. So, to me, this quote, like, personally gives me chills because we have a president admitting that he didn't need to do this, that this wasn't necessary, but he did it because he wanted to and he wanted it done fast before anyone could stop him, before the change, before the tide changes. And to me, that feels like a gross abuse of power. And he's saying right there, like, there isn't any crisis. He's admitting it. But nobody cares. Or even if they do care, they can't stop him. And then he also said, and this was really chilling, look, I expect to be sued. 
he said, launching into a mocking riff about how he anticipated lower court rulings against him. And will win in the Supreme Court, he predicted. So, a couple a couple of things we gotta talk about here. <laughs> First of all, the fact that he expects to be sued. Like, I'm sorry, I feel like we've all just become numb in this day and age, but if any president says, I expect to be sued, if, think about this. Imagine you go into the doctor's office, right? And you're like, okay, you know, I'm here for my surgical procedure. I'm really ready. Like, I'm super excited. Okay, I don't think you're ever excited for a surgical procedure. But they're like, you know, I'm ready. But I just want to know, like, what's your experience? And your surgeon says, don't worry. I expect to be sued. Like, maybe this isn't the best analogy. But, like, if anyone in any other profession and anyone who wasn't Donald Trump said, look, I expect to be sued... I probably wouldn't hire that person or deal with them or probably I would block them on all social media. Anyway, and the second part about that that really made me feel weird was that he said, and we'll win in the Supreme Court. And I think this goes back to Brett Kavanaugh, right? Like he put Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court as presidents do, but he put it put it on there and now there's a conservative block on the Supreme Court. And the fact that he knows that he can do what he wants and when the one when the one branch of our government tries to hold him accountable and the fact that they can't because of people he put on the Supreme Court, he knows exactly what he's doing. I think there's a lot of talk about how Trump is just kind of, oh, he doesn't really know what he's doing, and there's someone behind the screens pulling the strings. I think that does a discredit to our intelligence, frankly, because I think when someone's doing something bad and someone is very much aware of the consequences and how to escape those consequences, I think that shows meticulous planning and frankly, is really nefarious. Like, that's that's really messed up. But, anyway. So, what's next? Can we stop him? Maybe. Maybe we can stop him. So basically, in order for, the, for Congress to stop him without the veto, they have to sh- say that he didn't get pre-approved spending for this. Like, he, he didn't have a prerogative to do this. The thing is that he can try and... Yeah, basically under one of the laws that Trump might try to invoke, the Congress um, basically can only, the military can only redirect funds to build projects that Congress has separately authorized. And lawmakers haven't actually approved a military wall. However, the administration might argue that because Congress has approved things like a wall-like barrier or fences or drug smuggling quarters, um, that that's going to empower the department of Homeland Security to basically build whatever they want. So because in 2006, they decided, you know, they approved something for a border fence or a wall-like barrier, he can use that as precedent to continue building this wall if he's taken to court. Secondly, he, even if, like, this is very clearly not a national emergency, right? Like, there's facts that there aren't thousands of immigrants coming across the border. Like, he talks about the caravan, but really those people were just coming to apply for asylum. They weren't, like, invading the United States. And really, those were people who are in dire, dire need of help. Anyway, but this clearly isn't a national emergency. The problem is that doesn't matter to the Justice Department. The Justice Department doesn't care. Because, well, they do care, but... In court, it's not whether or not the judges can substitute their own thinking about, yes, this is an emergency, or no, this is an emergency. All they have to operate on is the law and the legal precedents, which we've established kind of don't have any restrictions on him, and also don't say that the border wall, it can't ever happen. So, 
in order for the Congressional Act, which would be the death what the Democrats are trying to put through in the House, to have legal effect, the president could have a veto and then override it. But then in order for that overriding to happen, so in order to override Trump's veto, it's going to take two-thirds of both the Senate and the House to override Trump's veto. And I don't know if you know anything about the American government, but they they sure, sure do not agree on barely anything. So I highly doubt that we're going to get two-thirds of both the House and the Senate, considering the way the Republican establishment is behaving. So, basically, too long didn't read, too long didn't listen. Um, Trump has created this national emergency and there aren't any restrictions basically to stop him and there are worse than that there aren't really any ways to hold him accountable um through our court system which yes this is an emergency for him but this is more like an emergency of national consciousness um so that ends our first segment of today thank you guys so much for sticking um, this show is not over by the way this is just the current politics part of it um thank you so much for sticking with me through the technical difficulties um we're gonna take a really short break for some music even though we are still having slight technical difficulties and we will be back in approximately i want to say like five to eight minutes um depending on how long the music is about um Japanese internment camps and forced evacuation, which is the other half of this episode. So stay tuned, folks. <laughs>